All right. So I think we had a cold open topic for tonight. Yeah. Our mm-hmm. favorite movie monologues. Because, yeah. man, Patton starts out with a doozy of a monologue. Mm-hmm. Sure does. So, who would like to go first? I'll go first. I only got three. Yeah. Okay, Zach. Um, I kept it simple. And, you know, uh, it's probably... Method. Yes. <laughs> um, there's there's tons to pick from, but I I kind of picked three that feel relevant um, and have stayed relevant for a long time. I'll, I'll start off cheesy with the, the Charlie Chaplin from The Great Dictator. Um, just mm-hmm. a, a message that... Yeah continues to be relevant and then i've got howard beale's uh mad as hell speech from network um oh i can't wait to watch that movie in a couple weeks yeah i watched it for the first time last year and it's another one um just like reading the text of it now like Mm -hmm. could have been written yesterday and then um atticus finch's closing statement um from To Kill a Mockingbird. Another one is just like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those are my three. Nice. You didn't steal any of mine. Hooray. Nice. Yeah. All right. I went with uh, the Superman monologue from Kill Bill 2. Okay. I, that's I love one. that shit. Mm. It's so good. Um, the look but don't touch monologue that uh, Al Pacino did in Devil's Advocate is just amazing Mm -hmm. and the uh uh jk simmons's uh the good job monologue from whiplash like there's uh oh i forgot what the main line was like there's no more harmful two words in history than good job (laughs) but and i mainly went with those because i love those movies but just each of those monologues are so good no those are all incredible what you got, Paul? Uh, I guess I'll take an obvious one since nobody else picked it up, and I'll take the uh, the brass balls monologue from Glengarry Glen Ross. Mm. <laughs> oh, Baldwin, uh, a, a monologue that they wrote specifically for the movie, and was such a good monologue that they added it to scripts after that for as a like, you could put this in your play or you can't if you want to just do the original Broadway. But any version I've seen of it since the movie came out has had that monologue because. <laughs> the actor gets to come in and just do that monologue and then fucking leave the play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, the raisin in the sun talking about life monologue. Mm, okay. Uh, at the end when after uh, Walter's lost all the money and everything seems to just be going wrong for him and he just not really lays into his mom, but starts telling his mom of it just about how tired he is of being kicked around. And he yeah. just wants to everything to start going right. So he can move into this new house. It's so good. It's so heartbreaking. And Potier is yeah, just a master. Well, I'll say the ABC version of it that, uh, Sean Combs played, uh, Walter Lee. He didn't do a bad job. Puff daddy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Huh. Yeah, Tim Audrey McDonald plays his wife. Felicia Rashad, for better or worse these days, played his mom. It's a really good version. Hmm. Sweet. The Independence Day speech. Well, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. Uh, I'm going to go look over here, see if there's anything that I... Uh, pretty much anything from Taxi Driver. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll go with those for right now. Uh, I just... I don't know. There's so many good ones. and uh, There are. Yeah. Um, Mr. Smith goes to Washington. The oh yeah, the fucking <laughs> filibuster. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I think I post that as a Facebook status at least once a year. It's so good. Oh, yeah. and then uh, I'll finish up with a uh, Roy Batty Tears in the Rain from uh, Blade Runner. Beautiful. Very nice. All right. Well, you want to talk about a movie? Let's talk about a movie. Let's. Hello, all you beautiful people out there in podcast land. My name is Paul Workman. I'm Jonathan Pierce. And I'm old Squirter McCoy. <laughs> we are your Oscar grouches. Welcome back to the Oscar Worsty Podcast, the show where we discuss Oscar winners throughout history and try to determine where the Academy went wrong, if they went wrong, and what film are we watching this week? We are watching Patton, the adventurous World War II tale of that cantankerous poet, that bloodthirsty Boy Scout, General George S. Patton. Very nice. Yeah, well done. Thank you. This is everybody's first time watching this film. No! First time in entirety, yes. It's a no for me as well. Zach, you want to go with your halftime? Uh, I've just seen, I've seen the opening speech before, and I've seen a few different um, <laughs> scenes here and there. Uh, and, and I think it was on TV once. I watched a little bit, but I was like, I need to start this from the beginning. So I stopped. Oh, okay. Yep. Jonathan. Yeah. When, when, when was your first time watching this? Uh, sitting on your couch while we watched the AFI top 100. That makes sense. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, okay. So my first time watching this, uh, when I was a senior in high school, uh, a teacher that I had had as an English teacher the year before, his name was Mr. Reed. I don't know if you had him at all, Zach. I remember the name. Uh, anyway, he got to do a history in film class. Mm. And I ended up seeing a lot of interesting things in there that I hadn't seen up to that point. And he played Patton. Cool. Uh, along with a story that apparently his father had fought in World War II and served under Patton. And one night, during a firefight, Pat jumped into the foxhole his father was in. Uh, his father would often complain that George C. Scott's voice wasn't high enough to play Patton. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I've seen this written down other places. Apparently, Patton had a very high-pitched voice. Um, I see. Uh, anyway, yeah. So, so that was my first time watching it. Yeah. All right. Um funny that you mentioned um i'll also say caitlin's grandfather served in Patton's third army so it was interesting watching from that perspective and she uh i think her dad has a photo of them together somewhere so oh nice nice 
All right, let's do an Oscar breakdown. It is a beautiful April 15th, 1971. We are still at the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion, but we have a little change tonight, gentlemen. After 11 years, the Oscars have returned to NBC. Oh, oh. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. WNBC. <laughs> we'll see how long that lasts. Okay. All right. Um, we have no host. Again, third year in a row, I believe. And our most nominated films of the evening are Patton and Airport, which apparently got a uh, big Oscar campaign because it did not get great reviews. Uh, And our most awarded, uh, they both have 10 nominations and our most awarded film of the night is Patton at seven. Uh, Our best picture category is Patton winning out over Airport, Five Easy Pieces, Love Story, and mash uh our best director is franklin j schaffner winning uh winning for Patton, which we all know is just a makeup award for the academy saying sorry they didn't nominate him for planet of the apes mm-hmm. sure. best actor goes to a one george cooth scott yeah who uh does not show up to the the ceremony and instead watches a soccer game on tv that evening <laughs> Uh, and he does not show up because, uh, I, I had the quote. I have it right here. Oh, please give me the quote. He says that the Academy Awards were a two hour meat parade, a public display with contrived suspense for economic reasons. So he declines his award. Uh, the producer, Frank McCarthy accepts it on his behalf takes it to him the very next day and George Scott refuses to accept the award and gives it back to the Academy. Apparently it just sits in the halls of the Academy to this day. Nice. I saw something about it, it having gone to like, uh, what the Virginia military Institute or West point or something like it had been there. Um, well, I believe Frank McCarthy who was a Virginia Military Institute graduate gives his award for oh. best picture to the Oh, there you go. Thank you. If I'm not mistaken. I had I had also read something about uh Frank McCarthy who produced this film tried to make this film for over 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh and it kept getting a start stop because budgeting because Patton's bad reputation because his family didn't want to give up the rights and Patton's wife dies and his children won't give up the rights. Like, yeah. It's pretty wild. Yeah. Sure. Uh, some actors and directors don't want to work on it because they knew Patton during World War II and hated him. <laughs> uh, Burt Lancaster was offered the, the, the role and he was like, I don't want to be in any movie that, uh, fuels war and then he goes and he stars in the movie airport a movie that he says quote i don't know why it was made it's the biggest piece of junk ever made <laughs> that's for lancaster is just although increasingly amazing <laughs> i was looking at the highest grossing films that year and airport was number two yeah and quite a bit more than Patton was when it came to money yeah 
it it's essentially why it gets nominated because yeah. it's a very populous film and like I said, does not get very good reviews. All right. Um, also, I want to point out James Earl Jones gets nominated for The Great White Hope. Uh-oh. And Jack Nicholson gets nominated for five of these pieces. Uh, every single actor in the Best Actor category this evening has never been nominated for Best Actor. Some okay. of them for have been nominated for Supporting, but none of them for Best Actor. Okay. Nice. Uh, it is also believed that George C. Scott refused this award because he had lost Best Supporting Actor twice at this point, and he is a very bad loser. <laughs> That's not so cool, George. Just, just want to put that out there. It is a theory. Yeah, I saw a little picture. It might have been on Wikipedia or something of him, like at a baseball game, where somebody gave him the li- a little Oscar, and he's just like making a frowny face. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty funny. I'll, I'll have to post that on Facebook when this comes out. Yeah, that's amazing. All right. Uh, Best Actress goes to Glinda Jackson for Women in Love. And this is the first time since the sixth Academy Award that every single actress in the Best Actress category is a first-time nominee. Wow. Fresh meat. None of them have been nominated for anything at this point. So So here's an interesting question. Women in Love was a British film. Yeah. So do the the is it just best picture that won't be up for like foreign language or not foreign for foreign films or well can the actor actress thing? They don't count British as foreign language because it's English, I guess. Or not foreign yeah. language, but is it like I thought it was only American films? No. Because we just had all of that's fair. We've had British. Yeah. This oh, is, you this know what is... I'm thinking? I'm thinking Library of Congress because I'm a dumb dumb. Okay. I was wondering <laughs> if that's what you what you were yeah. trying to ask, but I couldn't. Nope. I couldn't think of how to rebut what you were saying. Just a dumb dumb. That's fair. <laughs> I, I get thrown off all the time on the foreign language stuff. Yeah. Uh, best supporting actor goes to John Mills for Ryan's daughter beating out who everybody thought was the favorite, Chief Dan George for Little Big Man. Uh, Helen Hayes picks up Best Supporting Actress and she sets like a few records by winning this award. Uh, She is the first performer to win Oscars in both lead and supporting categories, having won Best Actress 38 years before Mm. for the sin of Madeline Claudette. She also has the longest stretch between wins at 38 years. Nice. Uh, and she, be- with this win, she becomes the first person to EGOT. Oh, oh, nice. Very nice. I've always yeah. been fascinated by the EGOT. Yeah. It's like I, the most unofficial thing to love. Yeah. And, and the fact that it's only been kind of in the zeitgeist for about 30 or so years is yeah. Like, like people just used to get it. Yep. Just like, I'm just going to win a bunch of awards for things, I guess. I feel like we should we should have that as a cold open one day. EGOT stuff. Yeah. Sure. Um, best story and screenplay based on factual material or material not previously published or produced. A very easy thing to say. Mm-hmm. Um, goes to Patton and uh, Nicholas Cage's uncle, Francis Ford Coppola picks up the Academy Award along was, with Edmund H. North. I was waiting. Make sure. Yeah. <laughs> yep. No, when you corrected me the other week, I I, mean, I, I knew this was coming. 
I was watching the special uh, on the DVD copy I have of Pat, and it has a little opening from Francis Ford Coppola, uh, Nicholas Cage's uncle. Pardon me. But thank you. Thank you. Um, and he, in short terms, he basically said he was about to get fired from The Godfather, but when he won uh, the Oscar, they're like, okay, you can keep moving on. <laughs> so, so he does not show up to the ceremony because he is off writing The Godfather. And I guess what he'd been right, he'd written it like seven years earlier. And like you mentioned, the movie got tossed around and wasn't uh, being made. And, and they basically <laughs> used it later. And then he wins. Yep. Best screenplay based on material from another medium goes to MASH. Uh, the suicide is painless. It brings so many, many changes. changes. Uh, <laughs> Best documentary feature goes to this week's Thursaysy subject, Woodstock. Yeah. yeah. So be sure to uh, tune in to hear me and Zach and possibly Trav. We're hoping he gets to join us this week uh, and talking about Woodstock on yeah. Thursday's episode of Thursaysy. Yes. Uh, best documentary short subject goes to interviews with my live veterans. This best live action short subject category is silly and i i have to read all three of these to you okay. so the winner goes to the resurrection of bronco billy it beats out uh, shut up i'm crying <laughs> sticky my fingers fleet my feet i'm looking this up right now <laughs> both of these both of these short films have ellipses in them <laughs> sticky my finger what Sticky my fingers, fleet my feet. A film about a man accepting his old age. Fleet my, uh, on fleek. Yeah. It, if, it, if it helps you anymore, the film was made by someone named John Hancock. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Uh, best short subject cartoons goes to, is it, all, is it always right to be right? Yep. It's narrated by Orson Welles. Yeah. Check that out. Yeah. All right. Uh, best original score goes to Love Story, which it absolutely should have gone to Jerry Goldsmith for Patton. Yeah. Don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> they get they give the whole. Wait, that was a whole sound. Or, that was uh, best original score. It, uh, it, <sighs> yeah. There's no. It's ad- one song. <laughs> yeah. There's no adapted score this year. There's just original score. Yeah. And. It goes to that. Uh, but there is, there is an original song score, and the original song score goes to Let It Be from oh. the Beatles. All four Beatles <laughs> get an Academy Award. Never win a Grammy. They have an <laughs> Academy Award. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and they beat out a movie called The Baby Maker. Oh. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, best song original for the picture goes to For All We Know from Lovers and Other Strangers. Uh, best sound goes to Patton. Best foreign language film goes to Investigation of a Citizen Above Suspicion from Italy. Uh, best costume design goes to Cromwell. I assume that's James Cromwell. Yes, we love him. Indeed we do. 
Uh, best art direction goes to Patton. Best cinematography goes to Ryan's daughter beating out Patton. Mm. Best film editing goes to Patton. I'm sorry. One second. Is Ryan's daughter David Lean? Is that? I feel like that was his his, his box office bomb that made him quit making movies for a while. I I read about that. Nice. Wish that would have gotten nominated for Best Picture because I would have loved to watch that. Makes sense that cinematography, though. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Uh, and then best special visual effects goes to Tora 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 beating out Patton. So we have the Pacific Rim beating out the European uh, theater. So there you go. Uh, I don't think we have any. No, we have no special awards, no honorary awards, no Thalberg, none of that. All right. All right. Well, let's talk about this amazing fucking movie. Let's talk about this movie. This movie's amazing. This movie's really, really good. This movie's so good. I I find it funny that a lot of people separated themselves from this film to like going, I don't want to be in that because Pat was a douchebag. Even uh, though the movie in no way shines a bright light on him as like this good guy right they they go hey he he was a very successful combat general Mm -hmm. literally anything else he did he was not good at (laughs) yeah and i think they i think they illustrate a lot of that in this film by by a lot of the shot selections they make, especially in wider yeah. shots where they're mm-hmm. showing like the destruction of war or like there's the one scene where they, he and his, his like uh, assistant go walking out past that graveyard. And as they mm-hmm. finish their conversation, there's just this lengthy shot of the graveyard with the two of them walking slowly in the background. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they, they really don't shy away with how much he, was just willing to throw bodies at situations. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I don't want to say that they didn't shy away completely from glorifying him because it, it, it did in certain points where it was like, like I said, as a successful combat general. Right. He, he could get the job done. It's just the problems of how he got the job done. And his political just dumb dumb <laughs> like he just, like that dude i mean that's basically what the movie was about in my opinion was how this guy really if he kept his fucking mouth shot probably would have been known as just one of the greatest generals of u.s history yeah we'd we'd be talking about him alongside ike and macarthur as yeah like heroes instead of <laughs> the the kind of Nazi sympathizing bastard this guy was. <laughs> yeah, like, I, I just it, it really was. If you look at the movie, just like how one man can get in his own way, and I, I just I I love this movie for a couple of reasons. That and I like tanks. Tank. <laughs> I love <laughs> tanks, dude. <laughs> like it's. Like I'm not a war movie guy, even though apparently through all the war movies we've seen, I fucking love them. 
Um, and I'm not like a, a gun guy by any stretch of the imagination, but tanks are just fucking metal. Yeah. Like they're <laughs> literally. Yeah, but, they're pretty cool. I just I love tanks and man, the the actual like tank battles in this movie, like God, that first one where it's just like you're watching them. Cause you a lot of the times when you get a war movie, you're getting it kind of in the middle of the battle. You don't really get to see the chess game that the officers are doing to the side. Yeah. And mm-hmm. you got to see that in this one. I thought it was so cool because it was literally like watching my friends play a game called Flames of War, where they are playing with tanks and infantry on a board. And that's just what it looks like. We're not being able to go in and see just that huge amount of death until after the fact. During the actual battle, it just looks cool as hell. Right. And I think the movie did really well with doing that and shine a light on all of that death at the same time. Right. (laughs) So, um, like I'm still kind of solidifying my feelings about the movie. I, I really enjoyed it. I think part of the problem is, you know, I am seeing this for the first time and, uh, you know, over the last, 10, 15 weeks, I've watched quite a few World War II movies, so I'm like a little burnt out on it. But mm-hmm. at the same time, what we've got here is more of the uh, the biography of the character, and it kind of felt a lot to me like a spiritual sequel to Lawrence of Arabia. It's like there's a lot of parallels yes. hmm. yeah. between the two characters, I think, and you know their their recklessness, and when they're doing well, they're seen as brilliant uh (laughs) even if we don't always see exactly what makes them brilliant um and then when they're not doing so hot it's like i think the main difference being where lawrence was more of that uh textbook bipolar yeah uh Patton was textbook narcissist yeah yeah (laughs) oh (laughs) mascot of the pod zaphod people brox Leanne had to go run to the studio, so she is just coming back to the house. She should drive next time. Yeah, right? A little hot uh, and wet for running. So, um, back to thoughts. Um, just really makes you wonder how much, uh, like, when it comes to the officers in, in the military, like, how many of them do have these kind of mental disorders? Or, right. like, mental personalities, like, that bad? Because yeah. I mean, it, it was very much patent in this movie was me. Like, and I mean, he was even, he, he was able to kind of humble himself, but only to be able to go back to where he was. Yeah. And at that moment go, I am better, obviously. And, and I would say only too, because uh, Eisenhower like got him in line and he, and he was respecting that rigid structure of, leadership he's like okay my superior has told me get my shit together so i will if anybody else told him it he's like fuck you (laughs) like i'm gonna follow the rules but i think i'm i have a better rule for you yeah like um i I think i think a major problem i have with this movie is that it falls into that uh that's a nice film who was it about formula Mm. sure sure because apparently they really play up Patton's importance uh, before Normandy. Because, see, apparently the Germans had no idea who he was, and it's it, that's 
a widely accepted okay, fact. Yeah. That, so see, like Zach, I could see, like he. Yeah, you go ahead, Zach. Oh, I was just gonna say, is this like one of those movies that have kind of mystified him in the modern culture yeah. that it wasn't really that way before? <laughs> yeah, like. Apparently, you know, apparently he was a very good general and he he did command a really good tank brigade down in Africa. But I mean, that's all all he was to the Germans was a, a tank brigade. And they didn't really know his name until yeah. after the Normandy invasions, which is fair. But, you know, it, you take away the German parts of the movie. What are they just going to talk about? So you yeah. kind of have to flare it up a little bit. Yeah, I think maybe they overed it a little bit. There's like, why are they not sending in their best general? Like, okay. Right. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure Montgomery at that time, like, I know they're trying to pit Patton against Montgomery and show Patton was the better in the film, but it wasn't like Montgomery was just nothing. Right. And they just never talk about the Germans, never talk about him at all. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and then they really play down his rampant anti-Semitism. Because mm. when they're interviewing him while he's riding around on the horse near the end of the film, yeah, and they're like, "Oh, they say that you have, uh, that you have SS soldiers like working for you and being on guard in places," and he's like, "Well, they're trained soldiers, so I know they're trained soldiers." Yeah, apparently they were like watching over uh jewish the released jewish prisoners or uh, things like that uh, yeah uh, and Patton saw no problem with that <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah so cut down on that a lot which i in in this more modern hollywood kind of kind of hurts me a little bit because i think you could toe that line of having such an unlikable character and i think that's really shown in the movie five easy pieces yeah well, and, and it's not like they don't try to knock this guy down a peg in the movie either. So why not just go full bore? Like, yeah. And there's really no reason not to show that. Right. And, and I think for me, it, it's, it's really one of those things where, uh, you just Emil Zola this movie for me. I, I'm going to say that it, if, if the film was a lot more positive on him, I'd, I'd see that as more of a problem in this film, but they, while not touching on that, they still don't make him a very good guy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The, if, if the whole point of the movie was to be like, look at Patton, isn't he awesome? Don't you just love him? I'd be like, all right, this is completely Emil Zolid. Yeah. But with it, with him still just kind of being a, run-of-the-mill piece of shit and <laughs> smacking soldiers around and leaving like completely leaving russians out of conversations and saying that we should have been attacking the russians instead of the nazis it it's not like yeah. it's not like they don't cover up the fact that he's a nazi sympathizer yeah, yeah. Well, did, didn't he he said like at one point we, we attacked the wrong <laughs> we're fighting yeah. the wrong people <laughs> yeah he yep. said we've been fighting yep. the wrong people all along yeah not, not, not. We've been we, the you know they kind of turned out to be a little nice. We should have been attacking the Germans. We've been fighting the wrong people all along. <laughs> Yikes! I uh, you know I think one thing that 
I'm surprised there wasn't even like a little title card at the end that comes up or something that says, and he died like a few months later. They don't even breach that subject. But I saw yeah. there's there was a, a I guess made for TV sequel. Yeah, with short C. Scott coming back. Yeah, <laughs> less makeup needed, I guess. But um, I, I watched part of that on YouTube because it's free. The, the Last Days of Hatton, I think is what it's called. Yeah. And, and it has his, <laughs> you know, the car accident scene. I was thinking, just take that and just splice it on the end. The, end the movie right there with just him bleeding in the car. That was <laughs> or, or do the, if, if we're going to compare it to Lords of Arabia, show it at the beginning. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. There's another parallel. Overall, I, I still really like this movie. I think, yeah. I think George C. Scott is incredible in it. God, oh, yeah. So good. Yeah, there's I'm, really nobody in this movie I didn't think. Yeah, it's awesome. It's nice uh, to see Carl Malden back. Yeah, yeah. I haven't seen yep. him in a while. Yep. If, um, this is his first time seeing him in a color movie. We get to see his eyes too. So pretty. Mm-hmm. Got them blue eyes. I thought the guy that played MacArthur was a little much, but yeah. <laughs> Still. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I do I do like this movie. It's not completely Zolid for me, but that does kind of it it knocks it it knocked it down quite a bit for me too. Yeah. Like because because when I had seen this movie in high school and when I watched it with you all those years ago, it it was a really cool movie to me. And then finding out more about Patton throughout my life and watching like the History Channel a lot, just kind of like yeah, that's no <laughs> yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> um. All right. Well, anybody got any other notes on this movie? Um. Apparently, George C. Scott was drunk through a lot of it. <laughs> well uh, done. Uh, Rod Steiger almost got the role, or yeah, pretty much had the role in his grasp, but turned it down and said it was the biggest mistake of his life. No, I. I think that's about it. I. I Love the score. Mm-hmm. Cinematography is just breathtaking. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I haven't seen Ryan's Daughter, so uh, I'll check that out and see how that goes. But, I mean, that's David Lean. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but uh, Fred J. Cohen Camp. Good job. Yeah. Yes, sir. All right. Well, Paul, is this in the Library of Congress? It absolutely is in the Library of Congress. All right. Would you like to give me a year? 2012. Um, I'll say 99. Oh, Zach wins the price is right. Oof. He's closest and he didn't go over. 2003. Okay. It felt like it was be a 2000. I was just going there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say that's fair. 2003 is not a bad year for this film specifically. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, the rest of our 1970 films are Five Easy Pieces, Hospital, a documentary, I Am Somebody, a documentary short subject, King, a film record, Montgomery to Memphis, a documentary, mm-hmm. Little Big Man, MASH, Multiple Sedosis, a short subject film that's on YouTube, and it's just a guy doing a multi-instrument song by himself. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> Uh, Patton, Serene Velocity, a short subject, Wanda, a narrative feature, and Woodstock, a documentary, of course, we will be covering on Thursday, 
Zach, you're going to be guessing that year tomorrow. Okay. So that's it. That's our. Uh... All right. Well, let's get into our worsty judgments. And Zach, did this movie deserve Best Picture? Hmm. Hmm. So, uh, I'll start off by telling you what absolutely did not deserve it and didn't deserve a nomination. Love Story was a piece of shit. Um, I, I told you guys, uh, maybe I just told Paul, I can't remember if I told the main chat. I randomly happened to own the soundtrack on vinyl, but I'd never seen the movie. Because <laughs> my mom had a music box that played the song from it. And I still love the, I like the song, but now not so much because they use it. It's another one of those movies where they use it every 15 minutes. And it's just like, good Lord, use a different song. And I, I did not buy the chemistry. Allie McGraw, unfortunately, uh, not a good actress. And <laughs> Paul also mentioned the weird uh, profanity. Profanity's so weird in that movie. I'll get to that, though. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's like they, they, the Hayes Code is gone. They're like, we got to use these certain terms that we're not allowed anymore. <laughs> the way she said, God damn, or whatever. It's, it's, she's not British, but <laughs> there's something. It's, some- she's, she's got this weird transatlantic accent. And it <laughs> throws all of her profanity off. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I, I know the story going into it. I mean, he tells you at the beginning, uh, she died. What can you tell about a 25-year-old girl that died or whatever? But it's just been told so better in so many ways uh, like you know shout out to a walk to remember uh you know i find it weird uh, though, equally as bad as this movie <laughs> love story was the number one box office movie that year yeah oh my I'm, god uh, at I 50 mean, million dollars oh, it, it, it was the date movie i mean i yeah it's, I know, it's baffling <laughs> i know um people from my parents generation like who who saw it uh or saw it, you know, later on when it was on TV or something. They just, oh, it was so romantic and sweet. No, they suck. Um, like anyway, the Notebook of that year. The it, Notebook's so much better. Yeah, don't get. But it it was. I uh, hate the Notebook. The, I uh, love the Notebook. Hey, say what you will about the Notebook. I am telling you this: it is better no how no matter how you feel about the yeah. Notebook. Yeah. No, yeah, but but I guess it's fair to compare it that way. It was the it, Notebook of 1970 or whatever. Love Story looks like it was made on a TV budget mm. with TV actors, and somehow accidentally got released into movie theaters. It had yeah. a budget of 2.2 million dollars. It yeah. looks like it, you could see all of that little tiny budget on the screen. It's awful. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about it is like I watched it and I was so disappointed because I expected a decent love story based on you know all the accolades not accolades i've heard but you know people over the years have have said oh so sweet and romantic and i love that kind of shit yeah (laughs) and i sat down i was like loved it i'm surprised at that um but i had my thoughts and i was sitting there and i was like okay i'll write my little review and then i'll go look at some other reviews and they all confirm my feelings so then i just started hating it even more anyway (laughs) after that i i didn't watch airport um, so I'll, I'll refer to Paul's notes on that. Yeah. Um, so, okay, that's five and four. Number three, 
Mash. I got to give it to Mash at number three. I, I liked the movie and I really respect uh, what it is, but it's one of those problems where I've seen so much of the TV show of the year that watching it without Alan Alda felt so odd to me. It's like, that's not Hawkeye. Yeah. But, but you know, I, what um, Altman did with, you know, the design and the, the way he filmed it and the, comedy that uh, translated so well into the show so i respect it a lot for that um <laughs> five easy pieces hit me in a way that Patton didn't i think it's a much more emotional and um uh, interesting movie where Patton is a like a masterfully made epic um so I, I'm okay with Patton winning, but I would have certainly been okay with Five Easy Pieces winning too, because it's a, a lot of the new Hollywood versus old Hollywood as far as like the filming styles and the story styles. And I'm really digging this new Hollywood stuff that's going on. Long-winded way of saying, sure, it deserved it. Um, excellent. So I've only other the only other movie I think from that year outside of I, well, Beneath the Planet of the Apes might be the only other movie from 1970 I've seen. Um, I like I, Mass was one of those shows that, as a kid, my parents watched that I just yeah couldn't get into because I was too young to really be enjoying it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I watched the movie, and I it it was. It was definitely more emotional than the show was yeah, by a no, lot. No laugh track or anything. Yeah, again. like it, when it was deeper, um, which is something that you don't expect from something that's like, you know, going from the MASH TV show to the movie. Um, but when it comes to as a film, I do think Patton is better. Mm-hmm. I do think it deserves Best Picture, um, although Paul... You know, ruining things with Nazis again. Hey, man, um, anti-Semitism. I'm always going to bring it up, <laughs> and, and and I appreciate you for it, even though I hate you for it. That's fair. Um, I, I, yeah. Par for the course. Yeah. So yes, I think it does deserve Best Picture, but it's definitely got an asterisk on it now for me. So Paul, all right, I got to watch all of them this week. I'm very excited to talk about all of them. Yeah, uh, love story is also my bottom of the heap. <laughs> it is baffling how this film got nominated for best picture, and I guess it's not so baffling because it made the most money that year. And mm. seventy seems to be kind of a slow year in film. Uh, I definitely would have put the Great White Hope or Tora 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 in its place. Um, they're just much better films. Mm-hmm. Uh. God, love story is so bad. It's just awful. Yeah. I already gave away like half of what I wanted to say. So, uh, <laughs> yeah. Every time they cuss in this movie, it felt like children who had just learned <laughs> what cuss words means. So they're trying to figure out how to use them properly. Yeah. And everybody in the film sounds like that. And every and, and then there's young Tommy Lee Jones. That was weird. <laughs> I gave that a star all on its own. <laughs> It would have gotten one star, but Tommy Lee Jones showed up and he was 
the same, just less wrinkles. It's weird. Yeah, and he looks. I don't know if that's something like I Josh ever Hartnett. want to imagine. <laughs> <laughs> he looks so much like Josh Hartnett. It's weird. Yeah. Um. So so the movie gets two stars. One of them is just because Tommy Lee Jones shows up for one scene. Yeah. Oh. Um, <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna put Airport in at my number four spot mm. because, all right. Airport is a cheesy, prototypical disaster film. It pretty much sets the stage for a bunch of Irwin Allen films like The Poseidon Adventure that come later. Films that I just have an affinity for. So if you like The Poseidon Adventure, check out Airport. It's really interesting. Uh, And it ramps up in a really weird and kind of stilted way that it actually, when it gets to the climax of the film, it really sucks me in. (laughs) uh helen hayes is excellent in it and she absolutely deserved best supporting actress i'm so glad she got it um but overall it it's it's popcorn entertainment and everybody's fine in it for the most part lancaster is there dean martin's being dean martin (laughs) as a pilot and it's it's okay um it's got a really weird ending. Like the very end of it is really weird. Mm. Um, at least to me. Uh, I don't want to give it away to you, Zach. So when you watch it, let me know. We'll talk okay. about that ending. Um, and then I think Patton's going in at my number three. Oh, okay. I'm, uh, hmm. It might ha- it might have a John. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It might have an asterisk for Jonathan, but my number two has three asterisks in it. That's Mash. Uh, <laughs> nice. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I love Mash. I love Robert Altman. It's my favorite era of Robert Altman. I think he follows this up with uh, Brewster McCloud, which I watched last year. And oh, man, that's a movie. <laughs> if you haven't seen Brewster I McCloud, haven't. you have to see Brewster McCloud. Okay. Um, I really like the idea that Mash is portraying his war makes monsters of us all uh and uh you just watch these zany madcap men just act like animals during wartime and it's such an interesting character study and i like that a lot uh so what a lot of people might see is a little more problematic is kind of the point of the movie yeah so I just want to throw that out there. It's excellent. And I will always, always take Donald Sutherland over Alan Alda as, as Hawkeye. I just think he's better. Okay. I love Alda. Wow. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's like Donald Sutherland here, Alan Alda here. Just, I don't know. Maybe it's just young Donald Sutherland. He's so handsome. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, not as handsome as... Uh, Elliot Gould is Trapper John. Oh, come mm, on, give me some of that. <laughs> <laughs> Big square jaw Jewish man. I'll take it every day. Yes, sir. All right, my number one's uh, five easy uh, five easy pieces. Which man, I haven't watched that in like twenty years, and I forgot how much that film just stabs you in the heart. Yeah, <laughs> stabs you in the heart, and then punches you in the stomach while it pulls out the knife. Yeah, <laughs> it spits in your face, and it's like. Fuck you. And you're like, please do it again. Do it all again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. And then that final shot. Mm-hmm. 
Bob Rafelson just leaves that shot going for so long, and you just you just have to live in the moment of what just happened, and it's crushing. Yeah. Oh, it's so crushing. Jack Nicholson's so good at it. He is. God, that that era for him is excellent. That Easy Rider, The Monkey's Head. I can't wait to watch a uh, last picture show next week. Yeah, I and. I think I'm just going to go ahead and watch the rest of the BBS Criterion set because, oh man, I haven't seen King of Marvin Gardens before, and I really want to. Uh, all right. So, um, all that being said, Mash and Patton, or Mash and uh, Five Easy Pieces being placed over Patton doesn't lessen my feelings about how good Patton is and how beautiful it looks. Uh, but those two are definitely new Hollywood films mm-hmm. taking on. Uh, this massive juggernaut of uh, old Hollywood style David Lean epic. And yep. honestly, I'm not sad Patton won. I don't think I would have picked it, but I'll go ahead and say, sure, it deserved Best Picture. Why not? Okay. All right. Um, and I also want to correct myself. There was one other movie that I had seen from 1970, uh, and that was Puff and Stuff. Okay. <laughs> All right. So. So I may, I may, I may need to change my answer. Think about it. <laughs> of course. Also, um, beneath the Planet of the Apes is my second, m- m- my second to last favorite Planet of the Apes film. Yeah. They're all, they're all my favorite Planet Apes, Planet of the Apes film. That yeah. one just happens to be ranked just right above Conquest of the Planet. No, Battle of the Planet of the Apes. Makes sense. Conquest wow. rules. <laughs> all right, mm-hmm. and so Zach. Is this the worst best picture? No, it's not the worst. Uh, also, I forgot to uh, give a shout out to uh, a couple movies. They're, they're probably uh, one I know was actually submitted for next year and not accepted, but I'll mention it twice anyway. El Topo. Yeah. And I think uh, this one, the the Conformist, is is maybe recognized next year, even though it had an American release in 1970. So I won't say any more about that. Okay. Um, and Herzog, uh, even Dwarves started small, which I watched on two, um, <laughs> Pluto TV recently, and that is ridiculously uh, bizarre. Anyway, no, it's not the worst. It's still for me. Uh, you got the greatest show on earth tagging the the bottom of the lake with Gigi right there with it. Um, if, uh, if love story had happened to win, maybe I would have said that was the worst best picture. I don't know. Maybe close. Yeah. Thanks. Wow. Okay. Um, no, not the worst best picture. Um, man, I was going to put this on my top 10. I was, (laughs) but, uh, man, I just can't now. I can't just. Boo <laughs> earns. So boo earns indeed. But yeah, so Oops. no, definitely not the worst best picture. I mean, again, uh, no child grooming, no, you know, fucking circus and parades, but uh, easing up on Nazis is never a good thing for me. So yeah, but yeah. at least, at least they but make again, a point. Yeah. Yeah. To show they that don't make him a good guy. They like, don't. Nazis are still bad in this movie. Yes. And, they don't make him sympathizing with Nazis a good thing at any point. 
It just, yeah, don't show that he sympathizes with Nazis because he hates Jews. <laughs> kind of an important uh, distinction there. Yeah, and yeah. that's fair. So, but in the end, no, definitely not worth the best picture. Paul, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start this with one question: Could the worst best picture of all time have inspired? The opening to follow that bird, the Sesame Street movie. Oh, oh man! <laughs> the opening to follow that no. bird is, is no. Oscar the Grouch <laughs> giving the patent speech to a bunch of Grouches. <laughs> <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Oh God! <laughs> the answer is no. The answer is no. no. The worst best picture of all time could not have inspired the opening to follow that bird, which is the greatest film of all time. I'm, I'm, I need to go back and listen to all of our episodes and see what all, all the films that I've ranked the best picture of all time. Because <laughs> it's Follow That Bird. I mean, last week it was Cats. So, Oh, Cats is the greatest film of all time. <sighs> Until... No, I don't um, no, uh, no, it is not. It's, it's, it's a really, really good film. I like this film a lot. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and end it here. My name has been Jonathan Pierce. You can follow me on what did I do? <laughs> Zach laughing. At? You said my name has been Jonathan Pierce. What is it it's now? It's not anymore. <laughs> I changed my name to Slippin Wallace. <laughs> anyway, my name is Jonathan Pierce or Slippin Wallace. You can follow me on Twitter or Twitch or TikTok at Altorn underscore Ockham. Zach, where can we find you? You could find me on squirter.com. <laughs> no, don't go there. No, I, I, probably not. Um, you can find me on Critiker, Zachmaster, X-A-K-K-M-A-S-T-E-R, or TikTok at House Havoc. Paul! You could follow me on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and Letterboxd, where I keep a running tally of all of the movies I have seen uh, this week. I don't remember if I watched anything that was released this year. Uh, keep clicking on the wrong thing. Uh, oh, this week I watched Pig, starring. Uh, I still need to watch that. Nicholas Cage. That movie rules. Check that film <laughs> so out. Happy. Also watched the '80s film Transylvania Six Five Hundred or Six Five Thousand, which I haven't watched since it used to run on Comedy Central every single day in 1997. Uh, Love that film. Uh, you can follow me across all platforms at Father of the Fear. And Zach, what are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching The French Connection, which you can find on a, a lot of things, unfortunately requiring premium subscriptions like Amazon, Fubu TV, Hulu, Showtime, Sling TV, or you can rent it on Google Play, Vudu, or YouTube. We would like to thank Trav from our sister podcast, Leveling Up with Benjamin Banks. For producing our show, we would like to thank Chad Ramsey for our most excellent theme song. We would like to thank Megan and J. Bellevue for our beautiful artwork. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pod. You can follow us on Facebook at The Oscarosity Podcast. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a nice five-star review and let us know exactly how you feel on Apple Podcasts. And Stitcher really helps us to be seen in the almighty rhythm of Al Gore. So beautiful. So, so timeless. For Jonathan, Zach, and General Bradley, 
Good luck for you all. Have a damn fine day.